a Lifetime Original Podcast. There's still a lot of black stuff, uh, black like film that I've never seen, and I need to get on that ASAP. What haven't you seen? I do not remember Training Day and the way that people can recite it, so I'm not sure if I've actually ever seen Training Day. Is that a black movie? Does that count as a black movie? You know what I mix Training Day up in my head? Oh, God. <laughs> I mixed it up with Romeo Must Die. I was like, Training Day? <laughs> Romeo Must Die, Amira? <laughs> you might as well say Carmen the Hip Hop Bro. Welcome to The Table is Ours, the podcast where we talk all things black. That's black showbiz, black entertainers, and black representation. With me today Mm -hmm. is my incredible co-host, Miss Amira Lawali. Hey, y'all. Hello. And if Amira were to host a TV show, Hmm. she would definitely host like a kickback talkback for 90 Day Fiance. Oh, yeah. That's like a given to me. You and Sean would have like the most incredible sister dialogue about that show. I love that. I think because I love Sean, but she needs like, so she just needs a little like spice next to her to say the mean things that she really want to, that she really want to say. And I think that we can yeah. have that. I appreciate that. I like that. I love 98. I, lo- I love that whole franchise. I lo- Oh, I love TV. Okay. <laughs> and y'all already know who this is. My brilliant my brilliant co-host, Kirby Dixon. Ooh, come on, adjective. If Kirby were hosting a TV show, she'd host. Okay. It has to oh. be like one of those shows that has the the gravitas. Okay. The name. Okay. The respect. It's the Today Show. Really? Because I would say Good Morning America, but I think you're more fun. I think the Today Show is more fun. Do I get Today Show like... News hour? Do I get today show like Kathy and Hoda? Kathy and Hoda, not news. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, I'll no. take that. I'll You're take like, that. Take because that. You, you bring in tons of different guests, different genres. You wake people up. I'm not saying you're a morning person, <laughs> but I think your energy could be what people need in the morning. That's what I'm saying. I would take that. Thank mm-hmm. you, boo. I'll take okay. that. Okay, so we haven't really taken questions for a new segment industry baby in a while. I know it's been a minute, right? It's been a minute. We kind of neglected our own baby. However, (laughs) (laughs) we're back and we're better for 2022. So we're bringing it back up. And the question this week is, Mm -hmm. Amira, how did you even get interested in getting in the entertainment industry? Like, what was that moment when you knew you wanted to work in entertainment? Okay, this is interesting because there's two different points. I've always wanted to work in TV and film, and there's a different moment where I knew I could. Like, I've always been obsessed with TV. I mm-hmm. love TV. I love film. I love TV so much. I think as a child, like, it was hard to determine the difference between re- reality and, like, TV scripted. Like, there's okay. big events where, like, no, for real, like, I thought things would go well, because, like, that's how sitcoms ended. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't go well, and I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I saw that episode of Full House and Family Matters. Like, it yeah. ended great. Like, why are y'all tripping? Um, but I was always obsessed with TV. Like, I I love the medium. I loved entertaining myself. And I used to get in tons of trouble because I watched so much TV. But look at me now, baby. Now it's my job. <laughs> so I always wanted to tell stories. Mm-hmm. But I really, like, I for years, I could not figure out a way in. And I just mm-hmm. didn't think it was possible. Mm-hmm. So once I realized I could do it was when I got into a master's program for writing. So 
always was always interested just didn't think it happened didn't know mm-hmm. way in didn't know anyone who was even adjacent to the industry mm-hmm. it was like a frou-frou she-she thing that just didn't happen and then my way in I was in college but what about you when did you know you wanted to work in entertainment I'm kind of like you it, it's funny I my first love was film like and I still love film particularly animation and so anytime there was a good film out my dad and I would be like almost like opening day We'd go to see it. So everyone would ask me, like, oh, we know Kirby saw this. She and yeah. dad went, like, <laughs> immediately. So it was, like, kind of our thing. We would go every weekend, see everything. And I didn't realize that's probably where that love from for film and television and entertainment as a medium came from. And for the longest time, I remember we would go see, like, Transformers or, like, Avatar. And I was so, like amazed technologically how you could create these things that aren't real but are yeah (laughs) or they seem so real that for the longest time I was like I want to do that and my dad was like you can do that I was like yeah I want to do that I was like I want to do animation I Mm -hmm. want to be the one creating these like worlds that people like get ingrained in girl I went to college took a few I took one computer animation class and I was like, oh, my God, this is not for me. I struggled <laughs> through that class. I have, like, some cool projects. I remember doing, like, a 3D Yoshi and, like, all this type of stuff. And the only reason I stayed in that class is because I'm stubborn. And my yeah. ego got in the way. And I was like, I'm not ending this. But I was like, let's see. Those classes were, like, three hours. Yeah. It took me nine hours just to do one assignment. Exactly. Okay, can we talk about that? My... <laughs> My first college course, it was like film digital media. It was my minor, right? And there was this thing where no one liked when business majors had minors in their department. Everyone hated us, blah, blah, blah. Sounds Anyways, right. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. One of my classes was editing. Girl, I almost failed that class and took yes. in it. I, I, real, yes. I thought I almost didn't do it because I was like, I am not talented. Like, so much goes into, like, and people were, like, just naturally great at editing. Like, mm-hmm. editors, I will forever praise y'all. The way, the skill that you guys mm-hmm. have, amazing. I cannot edit for the life of me. Like, yeah. I technically skillfully trained can but i know myself and I, maybe it's the no rhythm having in me but like cannot edit anything i almost failed that class girl That's and then crazy. i was like oh this is not meant for me <laughs> i'm kind of the same as you i i got by with some of those classes like i don't know how i passed them but i did pass them exactly and then it was like towards the end trying to figure out what the heck do you want to do how do you get into the entertainment industry and i randomly came across the page program Really? I randomly came across it. And then I actually had a friend who had a friend who a year or two prior to me actually did it. So I had chatted mm-hmm. with her about seeing if it was worthwhile. What is it? This like, yeah, I didn't even know how prestigious it was at the time. And it's applied. And that's how I got to New York. And that was literally my end. But same as you. I was like, I didn't know that's how you got to New York. Yes. Yes. I remember interviewing like maybe I had no job when I graduated not nothing mm. and it's like you know like the business school majors are like oh I'm going to Goldman Sachs and Merrill Lynch yeah. and blah, blah, blah. what are you doing Kirby and I'm like I, I don't know like I'm trying to interview and I think I interviewed maybe got at the end of it by June I had two weeks and then I was in New York I was in New York mid-July but I was like oh, wow. chilling for that first month after graduation because I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. And I knew I didn't want to just take any job. Yeah. Because like, why do I want to go into a job doing finance knowing I could not stand <laughs> yeah. numbers? I'm not good with them. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I got to New York. But whew, very unconventional way of getting into the entertainment industry. No direction. Didn't know the stepping stones. 
but just, I guess, like, by the grace of God, like, kind of left up with these opportunities that basically reinvigorated and, like, confirmed that this is the industry I want to be in. But then, you know, that journey afterwards, figuring out, like, what part of the industry do you want to be in was, like, a whole second set of, like, life lessons. Definitely agreed. Okay, well, kind of in the same vein, I guess for someone that might be interested in getting in the entertainment industry, is there like one piece of advice that you can think of now that you would express to those that might be starting out on their media journey? I mean, entertainment, it's such a joy, but it's also very, it's hard to get into. So it's hard to give advice. Yeah. And I think that what both sharing both of our stories shows is like we both came from like very random entryways. And I think it was just, it, we got lucky and it was meant for us and we worked hard. Yeah. So I like to think like the road is super hard, but talented people who work hard are very hard to come by. Mm-hmm. So if you have talent, work on it and just continue to work hard. Like we all know people who did not work hard to get here. Mm-hmm. So spotting people who do work hard is like a gem. Yeah. And people will go to bat for people who work hard. Yeah. And I do think, I hate the term networking, even though I know how important it is, but I do think in this industry in particular, like being okay with putting yourself out there and literally going, reaching out to people and trying to do informationals with no expectation whatsoever, just coming in with like a good head on your shoulders, good mind, ask the right questions, research people ahead of time, and just trying to make connections actually does go a long way. Because I can remember the numerous times when I've been asked to meet with people randomly and mm-hmm. they leave such a great impression on me that when there's like a an opening on my team or somewhere else, I'm like, oh my god, I did meet with somebody and I and I have them in mind and I can either like help pass around a resume or anything like that. It doesn't always work, but I do think leaving a good impression and just meeting with people just for the sake of wanting to get to know what they do and being interested in what they do goes a long way. But don't meet with me to think you're going to get a job because that's not always the case. It's not up to yeah. me a lot of the times. <laughs> agreed, agreed. I used to like cold call informationals and I'm not going to lie. I still find it wild when people reach out to me for informational because I'm like, mm-hmm. why? I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm like, did is this the point when it changed? But look, I will constantly, even if it's like a month from now, figure out when to give informational because I used to cold call and lie to informationals. And I just feel like it's <laughs> my turn to serve, even though I don't feel like I am at that point. Like, I feel like there's certain levels to it, but I guess I networking across is just as important as networking up. It is. It is. Because yeah. that, that imposter syndrome definitely comes back because I'm the same way. I'm kind of like, I am not important enough for anyone to want informational with me. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, well, everyone has to start somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, you know that, um, what is that phrase that like circulates all the time? It's kind of like, you're on somebody's vision board somewhere. And I do think that's the case. Like, I even think of the people that I look up to now and they're probably like, oh, I'm nobody. But to me, you've done something really incredible and impactful. And I aspire to get to that point. So I got to put that at the back of my head sometimes you'd be like oh you might think you're nowhere yet or you're not where you really ultimately want to be but for somebody else you are like their north star so which blows my mind but everyone has their own unique way into this industry mm-hmm. and we spoke with someone who has their own unique way into this industry and it was That's such true. a gem 
It was such a delight. We spoke with Peppermint this week, y'all. Yes! The queen! <laughs> the queen! The grand dame. Yes, the grand dame. What a, what a, oof. Yes, amazing. And in case you guys are unfamiliar, but you should be, Peppermint is an incredible <laughs> actress, singer, songwriter, TV personality, drag queen, and activist from New York City. She is best known as the runner-up on the ninth season of RuPaul's Drag Race and for her debut in the Go-Go's-inspired musical Head Over Heels, becoming Broadway's first out transgender woman in a lead role. We spoke with Peppermint about her upbringing and how she's always used her self-confidence as a tool to connect with others. We dive into her experience being on Broadway and her jump to reality TV. Peppermint also talks openly about the state of trans representation in TV and film and how she's making a mark by being her truest self. Peppermint, let's get it. Hello. Hello. (laughs) We like to start every podcast the same. That question is, what is something that has brought you joy this week? Hmm. I really enjoyed catching up on the final season of The Walking Dead. Yes. Yeah, I love The Walking Dead. I love zombie shows and scary movies and scary things. And so... Fun fact about Amira, she does not like spooky things. Thank you for outing me, Kirby. I am a scaredy cat. Okay, like, I don't even... It's not just scary things. I don't watch... Like, I don't watch things that go boom. Like, I don't watch action mm-hmm. things. Anything that's a little... Mm. Get your heart racing or, like, when the music and something switches, I leave. Mm-hmm. That's not exciting to you? <laughs> no, it's not. I always say, like, why would I pay for high blood pressure? Like, why would yeah. I, like, why would I pay for stress? So, That's, yeah. I, I agree. I, I'm a big fan of, like, horror movies, and I like to go to amusement parks and get on, like, rides that are, like, I don't love, like, ridiculous rides that, like, give you whiplash on purpose. <laughs> but, like, yeah. I like roller coasters, like, the average roller coaster. But I do think about that oftentimes. I'm like, I just spent all my money to be, like, abused. Yes. You know? <laughs> I just need a little break. Exactly. I'll take a drink afterwards. And that I like scary stuff. Well, I say I like scary stuff, but I'm a punk. So I'll call myself out on that, too. <laughs> Amira and I are fans of yours. We love you. We love everything that you stand for. We love everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. But for those folks who may not have the joy and the pleasure of knowing who Peppermint is, we just want to ask you, like, what is your secret origin story? Who is Peppermint? How did you get your start? Oh. <laughs> I know it's a big I, uh, question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be meeting so many people for the first time and being introduced to folks. But it's so mm-hmm. funny. I feel like I've just been doing the same thing the whole time. But I am a lady from PA, originally born in Pennsylvania. Yes, PA in the building. I knew it. That's Kirby's home. <laughs> I'm from Philly. Ah, <laughs> I know you're from Hershey. <laughs> yes. Wait, and wh- is everyone, are you from? No, I'm from Houston. Oh, okay, okay. I'm going to Texas next week. Oh, but um, There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, PA's in the house. I realized I shouldn't have said PA because I was like, oh, they're not going to know what I'm talking about. But if somebody <laughs> from Pennsylvania is here, then we'll take it. <laughs> um, anyway, so born in Pennsylvania and then moved to Delaware and yeah, was a waiting, you know, like waiting for that, for my moment doing mm-hmm. like, you know, musical theater and drama. And I was a cheerleader in high school and 
all the things and then just waiting for the opportunity for the world to like be ready. <laughs> right. Waiting for the world to catch up to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I am approaching 30 next year and I've been kind of reflecting a lot on what it means to be coming at an age, which also like I'm excited. But that's on a different note, but <laughs> what it means to approaching 30 as a black woman and like, what does my identity mean? Mm-hmm. And we've been mm-hmm. fancy for you for a while, but like in researching you, we're like, you've, your energy lets other people embrace themselves. So mm-hmm. I got us wondering, like, when did you embrace your truest self? And what was that journey like? Mm-hmm. You know, I've always had a sense of just a really close connection to who I am and like awareness of how I fit into this room and this world, the spaces that I'm in, which includes my like feminist and my swishiness as a kid. And the fact that I felt like sort of different and my queerness, I guess we would call it today. Mm-hmm. And so that was always there. And then sort of every the battles that I had were really not so much me trying to figure out myself and how to embrace myself and all those things. It was really more fighting everyone else's, like how they would treat me and how they viewed me. I knew that what needed to change was them, not, not me. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I believed. There's a lot of things I never had, but like self-confidence was always there. Just understanding who I am and where I sit and how I am in relation to those things. I don't know if it's the universe or the Lord or my mom. Somebody blessed me with that box already checked. So I believe so that I could go and do all the other stuff. That feels a little bit like at the helm of a conversation that Amir and I had about what our space in this world looked like, specifically the entertainment world and wanting to learn from people like you. We call you guys our black faves. Yeah. And trying to take some of that confidence and that know-how and that like, I don't give a crap about what anyone else thinks about me as I navigate our space in the entertainment industry as black women, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is starting to evolve over time. So even hearing you say you've always been this confident person just gives me the permission to be like, you know what, I'm going to walk into these rooms a little bit more loudly and a little bit more proudly. And that's the premise of what this podcast is all about. So thank you for sharing that work. I love it. Yes, we're trying. (laughs) But we are well aware of your credentials. And we do know the weight of what it feels like to be a first. And you have this incredible career of being a first in many realms. You were the first transgender woman to host a principal role on Broadway, the first openly transgender woman to have a place on RuPaul's Drag Race. And I just want to hear from you, what did those moments specifically as kind of highlights of your career so far, what did they mean for you? And then, girl, how is the industry doing now? How are we doing? Oh, darling, darling. There's something that resonated with me. There's a writer named Susan Stryker uh, who wrote A Transgender History. And in the book, she basically says something to the effect of like folks from marginalized communities, minorities, you know, women, people of color, just like all the groups. But in this context, LGBTQ folks mm-hmm. are generally more politically active because we're the most oppressed and have the least to lose, mm-hmm. you know, whereas folks from a different community who <laughs> a majority community, whether we're talking Mm -hmm. about white folks or uh, cisgender white folks and heterosexual folks or whatever community we're talking about that represents more of a majority. 
I think their struggle is the awareness or not that something else is going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's possible to navigate in certain um, pathways and not even know that there's an issue or that there's a conversation or that there's a need for a conversation. Right. Whereas minority folks obviously are considering how do I engage with this conversation because I know it's it's real. The really interesting thing is when you're an actor or a performer or even a, I don't know, a librarian, anything, and you have these identities, then all of a sudden you're a librarian slash activist, an actor slash activist, which is fine. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's that stands out for me, though, and we talk about firsts, is we do this fighting, I do this fighting and this speaking out when I can to secure the door staying open if I can. Right. <laughs> and I guess when it, when we talk about the first, it really just highlights the lack of opportunity that there has been historically and how many people didn't have the chance or opportunity to be open about who they are and who they love or, or whatever the, the situation is. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of is bittersweet to me when we think about those like first moments, but they're happening. They're happening Obviously, for me, they're happening for so many other wonderful people, especially talking about specifically trans women. They're happening for so many other trans women. There's some really great work that's about to come down through entertainment that I'm so excited about from other trans actors and performers in mainstream. Can we know what those are? I wish I could say, but I can't <laughs> say who. But I, a few different, when we would talk about some of the work they were doing, I'm like, oh my gosh. We, I love it. Is this, is this the it? You know, yeah. so. I love it's that so moment good. when you, like, learn that your friends are winning, but you can't tell anyone else. It's still, like, so yes. exciting. <laughs> like, winning with your crew is yes. a different kind of energy. <laughs> it's a different <laughs> level of love. Yes. <laughs> you know what is interesting, though? There are some times where I just sit back and I'm, like, very self-reflective. And to hear someone say, like, the first in a year, like, 2021, or the first for the past five to ten years just reminds me of, like, are we really still in this era of first, especially when it comes to representation and diversity on screen specifically? Like that is such a mind blowing fact to me. We are. I know. And it's terrible. It's scary. Now television is, in terms of entertainment, TV, I think takes many more risks. I don't know if it's just the way that the industry is set up or whatever. We are seeing a lot more representation and stories and diversity on and off camera and television. Mm-hmm. Whereas film, uh, <laughs> the most recent statistics that I read from GLAAD stated that there were no prominent or leading transgender characters in, in any mainstream movies in the year 20, it might've been 2020, like the most recent, mm-hmm. so either 2019 or 2020, which is sad because like we've come so far in film specifically, there's, there hasn't been any, there's been very little movement. And then in the world of, like, Broadway, there's been virtually no movement. Right. It really is sad to see that, or it's it's a shame to see that we've done so much talking and fighting. And I certainly feel like the people are getting tired of hearing some of these conversations. Yeah. And I definitely know that we are tired of talking in these conversations. Exactly. But exactly. What, nobody is moving. It does feel like a purposeful, like, erasure at times. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> yes. Uh, Same. I think that yeah. fatigue that you're speaking about, it 
annoys me more than anything because Kirby and I constantly have conversations about DEI on our part of the industry. And you can see it in people's eyes that they're like, okay, when is this going to end? When are, when are we going to move on? We did this for the last year and a half. Baby, you had 2020. It's the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, when you when you change, when we see the receipts <laughs> yeah, of growth, yes. yeah. then we will stop talking. And honestly, we're tired. I'm tired. I'm tired, too. I'm tired. But if I don't complain, like, it, nothing will change. So we're going to keep annoying people and keep knocking on doors and keep laying down the foundation and annoy them until it's just, it needs to be business as usual. This needs to be cash right. right. It doesn't need to be a conversation. Yeah. You need to be included. It needs to be standard. Right. The new standard. But Peppermint, does that kind of also, aside from the exhaustion, but knowing that if it's not us pushing things forward, they're going to take us back to the stone age and just never let it happen again. Does that inspire you more with like the types of films, the type of music, the types of television shows that you want to create? And girl, we got to get you back on Broadway. Like it, clearly that's an Hello. area that we need to focus on. <laughs> <laughs> does that inspire you to keep going? Yeah, it definitely does. And I mean, and I remember hearing in the wake of um, the conversations that were happening around Scarlett Johansson accepting or not accepting a role of a transgender person. Yes. Yeah. I remember someone, I won't even say his name, saying publicly, an, an actor and director, you know, you just write it yourself, just make it yourself, just do it yourself. And I mean, there's some obviously some truth to that. And so, the privilege. Hello. I mean, we had to we had to drag him, and then I was like, "Listen, <laughs> that's not like that can't be the only answer." You know, that can't when people of marginalized communities are calling for equality and things, you can't just be like, "Oh, make one your own and shut up." Right? Like it can't yeah. just be that. The answer should have been, "I will fund you and help guide you to be able to make the project <laughs> that, that you want to make. Throw the money." Where are the dollars? Hello. Write the check. Darling. If you write the check, I will make the show. No problem. <laughs> Hello, darling. Make it yourself, darling. Sure. Let's not try to like, let's not act like you don't have somebody in your family who got you into the business. So-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. I won't say oh, your word. name. And so, <laughs> hello. I love playing that game of who's your mama. <laughs> I love playing the net because I, I it, it's, you know, it really shouldn't. It really shouldn't breathe air into me the way it does, but I love being like, hmm, did you earn it? Or is you, does your dad own Yeah, TNT? who else has the same last name? What director? Right. What person? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But inevitably, what we want to do is we want to tell our own stories in an authentic mm-hmm. way uh, without somebody telling them for us and not including us and then making money off of it. Mm-hmm. And so it is important that we, you know, so that we can bring a, more writers and directors and people behind the scenes and obviously performers as well, we can bring a more diverse like generation mm-hmm. uh, we, then we need to get writing and get make that little home movie or whatever you need to do so that you can kind of be ready uh, because th- they're not giving out experience you know, right. to our groups so yes, to answer your question yes, it does inspire me to bring more of my authentic self to any, any of the things that I'm doing we are at this interesting crossroads between like, is it acting or do we need to hire the person who has the same identity as what the the story is? Right. And that is a conversation, but for me, it's really important to make blackness and queerness and transness just like one of the normal things everybody sees every day and whether they live around it, whether they live in a big city or not, something that they 
see as an important type of story to consider and tell and include, mm -hmm. you know, which, oh my gosh, I just got accepted to two film festivals. Yes! To the LA Queer Film, film yes! Festival and Congrats! the Tel Aviv Film Festival. Thank that you. is amazing. So it's a short film called A Girl Like Me and it's accepted into the film fest, the LA Queer Film Festival and the Tel Aviv Film Festival. And happy about that. And the show is going to premiere on out TV. That's awesome. This is a story about a black trans woman and her trials and tribulations in the world of love because we are seeing transgender stories, but we're and we are seeing trans actors and performers, but we're really not hearing much about their stories and who else cares for them and loves them and how that all works mm -hmm. and what those people are how they value these women. And and so that's the story that I wanted to tell. It's about a previous relationship that I was in and the importance of, you know, publicly giving love to the transgender people in your life, the black women in your life, mm -hmm. so that we're not getting killed by our lovers and our boyfriends. Yes. Because, the, you know, the high murder rate of transgender women, black trans women, is as high as it is at the hands of our partners, our romantic partners. Our boyfriends are killing us. Yes. You know? And so those are the stories I want to tell, sort of remove the stigma. And so I'm doing that. And no, Scorsese could never. <laughs> ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. That. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're so proud of you. Congratulations. You can't wait Thank to you. watch. Yeah, I took it kind of heavy there. So sorry. <laughs> no, we like to get heavy. Yeah, we do get heavy. We appreciate it. <laughs> Stay tuned because when we come back, Peppermint talks censorship and when jokes go too far. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. We've all seen headlines about the Chappelle special. All right, bring it on. Mm -hmm. And what the Chappelle special, what Netflix putting it on, means for trans identity, gender issues, and race. We did know that you and Bob the Drag Queen had a conversation too. Yeah, we had a conversation about it. Yeah, I watched the special. 
And I know so many people are caught up on, should we censor? Should they not? Should they take it down? Is it just a joke? Really what I want to highlight here is how much space do these conversations leave and hold for recognizing the anti-trans legislation that passed in Texas that limits the access to sports and healthcare for transgender individuals. How many people are talking about that? And is there a way that we can talk about that now? Right. I wish that this conversation would highlight and address the high murder rate of transgender women or the, the rate of homelessness amongst LGBTQ folks, many of whom are transgender. I know that it's important to talk to, to, for people to be able to have their authentic stories and experiences, but I don't know if we're to the point yet where we can ignore as a country mm-hmm. or a community of black individuals, the black people who are being murdered at a very alarming rate. Racism is a system that anyone can exist in and it's a framework that we all have a relationship to. And so I think there are some points that we should, yes, there are some conversational points that should be um, acknowledged, but can we also, if we're talking about transgender people, because we are, this is a special that's talking about folks who are transgender. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about us and you don't know I don't mean you, Dave Chappelle, I mean you, the person watching. If the audience member is going to have a laugh and a chuckle, uh, and then they're then, because I know that there's a lot of people who are, who are supportive of, of Dave Chappelle and protective of him and his right to tell jokes and things like that. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say, I'm really grateful that he's so intelligent and in making us have this conversation. If we're having the conversation, then what are you saying to transgender people? Right. What dialogue are you engaging in? And what are you acknowledging about the experiences of the people who are not rich, who are transgender? You know, I hope that this conversation allows room for that because there are some really egregious things happening. The rates of homelessness, murder, suicide, and violence against us, and laws on the books, and time spent in legislation, speaking time spent in legislation, speaking time spent in certain comedy specials. It's almost like, you know, not to equate different identities, but there are some people who might joke about, I I wouldn't find it funny, but there are some people who, who might joke about reproductive rights and, you know, mm-hmm. getting pregnant or, or whatever you're going to do, terminating a pregnancy. I don't think any of that's funny. But there might be some comedian who would have a distasteful joke about those things. Their supporters might be like, oh, it's just a joke. Oh, it's just a joke. But really in Texas right now, is it just a joke? Right. Like this conversation, is there more? And so that's what I'm hoping that people will understand that I believe that there's more. And if you can understand that there's more, then hopefully there can be a little bit of understanding about what that more is. Right. I think a lot of folks now are to the point where they, it seems like they're, oh, sh- t- trans community, shut up. It's a conversation. It's just a joke. Who cares about your feelings? And it feels very dismissive. I just think it's unfortunate. And I don't think it's very, uh, I don't believe that it's empathetic. I would love to see a moment in time where people are as concerned generally with other groups and and the atrocities and the injustices and the the discriminatory laws that are still being faced to other folks as much as they are about themselves. And I just think that we're in a world where people are are successfully distracted by our phones and by our, you know, social media and by our different things, not to see like, go folks get up when like the voting rights laws are being demolished, right? Mm -hmm. Also in Texas, 
Yes. <laughs> okay, not guys, to like, Texas is not the only I place. I love but, Texas, but it's trash. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm so sorry, honey. I'm so sorry, but you got to call somebody. <laughs> you got to call somebody. I get embarrassed every single week. That's why when we talk about Texas, it's literally about Beyonce and Meg The Stallion. <laughs> Well, so because every day I wake up in my home state, embarrassing, embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I did want to ask you, Peppermint, Dave Chappelle came out saying that he is open to having a conversation with the transgender mm-hmm. and, and queer community at Netflix to talk about the implications given whatever barriers or boundaries that he set. But what do you actually hope comes from that conversation? I would love, listen, trans, joking about issues with transgender people, there's, a, there's, a, there's an excellent YouTuber. Her name's Natalie Wynn. She, her channel's called ContraPoints. And she has, um, she's sometimes controversial, but she had a really good uh, video on this entire subject, like edgy comedy versus, you know, what's not funny or what is. Um, and to her point and some other people that I've heard talking about this, you know, transgender people are funny ourselves. Like we we can we can get a laugh, right? And some of the things we go through are also funny. But in the light of what is happening and the things that are going on in this country, what would be great is to get people on the side that they see us as their peers and people that they value, and that they would joke about us in the same actually loving way that they would joke about their own family members. Right. Humor is rooted in truth. Mm-hmm. People laugh because what they think is the truth. Well, the thing that is unfortunate is there are jokes that I laughed at as a kid that were about people of different races, people of different genders, different types of people that I thought was funny in the time because I was unaware. Right. And when I learned something about more about that person, that identity, that group, then I was like, oh, actually, you know what? Not only is it I'm not going to laugh at this, it's actually not accurate. Right. You know, it's it's not accurate. Right. When we're laughing about groups of people, marginalized communities, mi- minorities, about when we're laughing about race, we have to generalize. When I hear comics tell black jokes, which they don't do anymore, <laughs> you know, but when mm-hmm. I hear them say that, it's about how we're all eating fried chicken and we're all late. There's people right. that laugh at that. And there are certainly black people who eat fried chicken. I eat fried chicken. I will tear a piece of fried chicken up. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't all do it. And that's not all we are. So when you know more about us and you realize, oh, wait, that, that's actually not as funny as I thought it was. And so some of the jokes that I heard in the special, they weren't really the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they didn't really connect to what I think would be funny about the ex- the experiences of a transgender person. I'm not asking Dave Chappelle to talk about the experiences of a transgender person. I'm just asking that people to who are... Yeah, to be a little bit more educated about what's going on. I think conversations are great. I hope that he actually follows through and has a meaningful conversation and can acknowledge that there are some people that are really in pain. Mm -hmm. And hopefully he can acknowledge that. And hopefully that will guide him towards something. I think what Netflix could do, because Lord, you know, (laughs) I think what Netflix could do is actually some of the suggestions that the the workers during this um, strike or walkout had Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. why don't you suggest some transgender content? Oh, you don't have any? Why don't you invest in some transgender content? Using Disclosure, uh, Disclosure is a brilliant film that was filmed completely without Netflix. Netflix bought Disclosure for Mm -hmm. $600,000. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a fraction of the money that was paid to Dave Chappelle. I think it would be wonderful if they could highlight content made by transgender individuals, transgender comics. Put that right up next to when someone watches the Dave Chappelle special. Let's have them watch a transgender comic or let's have them watch Disclosure. Some of these suggestions that they were making, I think, would be great for allowing people to educate themselves about who we are. Okay, so it is hard being a Black woman in America. Karina talk about all that, talk about all the time. It is a pleasure and an honor, but it is also a little hard and there's weight to carry. It's a lot. Kirby and I are in this term of kind of like, where do we find our joy? Where do we find our peace? So what do you mm-hmm. do for fun and to get away? Get away from all the heavy things, all the, the work that you do that you love doing, all the activist work. What do you do for fun? Honey, I work t- seven days a week. I can't even believe it. <laughs> oh, my I gosh. just do. <laughs> but, and I'm kind of like, okay, I don't usually chase like an escape that much but i do love to sit down and watch a good a good old scary movie and eat some ice cream and have some popcorn like i will do that all day every day till the cows come home i love it so much uh i also was able to take myself on vacation recently for the first time in i don't know when (laughs) it was wonderful to get away and we quietly rented a house and then we posted all the stuff once we you know were done you're like, we were, we've been there, done that, not there anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way to do it. Well, we did go. It was recently, but it was important for us to, like, not be too loud about it, you know. But anyway, we, we got a chance to go on vacation and, and, and just talk and have togetherness, which is great. So community is, is another, like, having the opportunity to, to connect with your sisters or with your community mm-hmm. is, um, is, I think, life-saving. You know, it's very restorative. It's very healing. It was for me. Uh, and so I hope to do that. I guess I should try to do that more often. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, just give me a bowl of mint chocolate chip ice cream. I was going to say, what's the flavor? People don't like mint chocolate chip. I love mint chocolate chip. I don't chip. know what's wrong with people. What is wrong with people? <laughs> people talk so much mess about that ice About cream. mint. Uh, premium. Is you guys just othered me. I do not like mint chocolate chip ice cream. What is going on? Have you not ever had it? The people is curvy. The people is curvy. Have you ever not had it? I've had it. I don't know what it is. Like I was also one of those kids that... When I was growing up, all of my like toothpaste flavors had to be a flavor, not peppermint or like not mint anything. And I just as an adult, I'm like, okay, I'm good. So maybe if I try it now with my adult palate, that could be good. <laughs> I think so. I mean, there's there's some that is like, you know, bad ice cream and it's like tastes like just a bunch of chemicals. But if right. you get like a really good mix of like mint a and cream, okay. Woo! You don't like York peppermint patties? Little Girl Scout thin mint into that? I do like York peppermint patties. Well, there you like go. Yes, 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 yes. I will report back. I will try it in this adult. Let us know. Let us know. And report back. Um, But Peppermint, I want to give you a second. We want you to brag and love on yourself. We know all the incredible things that you're doing. You've called me mother. You have shows. You have music. You just got into all these film festivals. So what's next? What is on your vision board for this next year of greatness? Well, the second and third installments of my album, which also have a... A, a short film attached to those as well as out now. The album is called A Girl Like Me, Letters to My Lovers. And it's really my journey through a relationship that I was in, beginning, middle, and end. And so there's three albums. The first one is A Girl Like Me, Letters to My Lovers. The second mm-hmm. one is Moment of Weakness, Letters to My Lovers. And then the third one is Validation, Letters to My Lovers. It's available on Out TV. It's basically an app similar to Netflix. You can do that instead. You're already doing it all. 
but I'm throwing Broadway back into that mix. So yeah, <laughs> I'm manifesting this Broadway. for you, putting all of the good juju here. Oh. We're sending it your way. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you. Yes. We finish every podcast the same way. So if you could fill in the blank, my black is groundbreaking mm-hmm. because. Where's the blank? <laughs> she was like, yes, my black is groundbreaking. Period. Exclamation yeah, point. The, yeah. Underlined. Italicized. <laughs> my black is groundbreaking because I invite everyone in to learn and uplift other black people that they didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sitting with that a little bit. Also because it's mint flavored. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you it. so much. Thank you for going deep with us and going lighthearted. It was like a perfect balance, Absolutely. perfectly balanced conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. The Table is Ours is produced by us, Kirby Dixon and Amira Lawali. This episode was also produced by McKamey Lynn and Aisha Jordan and edited by Melissa Kaplan. Our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. The Table is Ours was created by Lifetime. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.